Welcome to The Word at Westminster, a podcast with talks, studies, interviews, sermons, and more from Westminster Church in Barrie, Canada. It's about learning and living God's Word. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. And I'm really excited we're going to be having an interview with Sarah Hahn. And before I uh, tell you about uh, her specifically, quickly, the topic is margin and faith and margin in our lives. And she's going to explain what that is, but I want to just provide a little bit of a placeholder kind of definition that I might myself might use. It's the idea of creating extra uh, mental space or even time in your life so that you can have that capacity to do uh, things that truly matter, like your ultimate priorities. So anyway, she might correct me on that a little bit later, but uh, uh, let me introduce her. So the Reverend Dr. Sarah Hahn is an ordained minister, wife to a church planter, uh, and Catalyst Ordained Minister, mom to three rambunctious kids, that's her description, not mine, uh, mm-hmm. Assistant Professor of Pastoral Ministry at Tyndale Seminary, and Director of the Tyndale Center for Pastoral Imagination. Sarah is a Korean-Chinese-Canadian, third-culture pastor's kid turned missionary's kid, and she grew up under the faithful discipleship of her parents. Wow, I love that phrase. What a what a <laughs> wonderful gift that is. Faithful discipleship of her parents, who are both ordained ministers in the Korean Presbyterian Church. Sarah's passionate about seeing the kingdom of God experienced by all those around her and lives in a missional community that intentionally and organically reaches out to its neighbors with the gospel. Sarah's a foodie and loves to be with people, and you can ca- uh, count on a d- dinner party taking place in her home on any given giving evening of the year. Wow, I just I just found that amazing. So yeah, thanks, Sarah, for taking some time to uh, be with us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Okay, quick unscripted question. What's your favorite food? Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that could be a whole podcast in <laughs> itself. <laughs> but I'm going to go with either steak or Korean kalbi, which is our version of steak. Oh, so wow. I, I just love my red meat. Yeah. Oh, steak. Oh, you're singing to my heart here. Um, you <laughs> said in the bio, part of a missional community. Uh, can you explain what that might be to people? Yeah. So friends of ours and us, we intentionally moved onto the same street. They're our direct neighbors. I can actually see their home out of my window right now. And we did that because we wanted to do missions out of our home and just recognize that in today's day and world, it's hard to navigate all the responsibilities and just all the things that come with being on mission. And so we intentionally became neighbors so that we could help each other out just with the day to day so that we could oh. reach out together and just bring our lives together. So they don't have kids right now, but they help pick up my kids from school and we can cook wow. meals together for our neighbors. And so, yeah, just through our day to day, we try to organically reach out to those that are around us. Wow. So how old are your kids? I have a daughter that's nine, a daughter that's seven, and a son that's four. Wow. So you actually talked to these other people and talked about moving to the same area together for this purpose. We did. So we moved first, and then actually our neighbors were believers already. That's kind Mm -hmm. of a long story in itself, but uh, they sold their house to our friends. And so even that was kind of a miracle of provision. And so, yeah, we when we go to groceries, we always ask, what do you need? Um, We share... Like I said, cooking responsibilities, we host church mm. in our homes, we take turns doing that. And so it really is an intentional joint effort um, to be a light in our neighborhood wow. here. Wow, that sounds so amazing. So as as we get, just so people get a, a get a flavor of, of who you are a little bit, um, before we get going, can you just tell me, like, how, how did you become a Christian? Yeah, well, like I said, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents mm-hmm. were both ordained ministers, and I was that pastor's kid that was just always at church. You know, I went early to help make bulletins. I stayed late to yeah. help clean up. And it's like a running joke that 
I never missed a Sunday in my life except when I had appendicitis. And <laughs> even then, my dad came to my hospital bed and told me, this is what we did at church. And so I don't think I ever really missed church. Uh, but really, it wasn't until my young adult years, I think, and I'm sure this is kind of the story of a lot of people who grew up in church, where I think it was during university, I really took ownership of my faith. And mm -hmm. by that time, I mean, I had been to so many Sunday school classes and vacation Bible schools, and I read the Bible cover to cover multiple times. But I think it was in that season that I really came to own my faith and mm -hmm. began a real personal relationship with Jesus, where I felt I was surrendering just, you know, the mm -hmm. will of my life to the Lord. And it was in that young adult period that I really felt called um, to give my life even to serve. And I didn't know what it looked like in that season, but I mm -hmm. was very involved in campus ministries. I had a heart to want to go on overseas missions like my parents had done. And so, yeah, it was really in that young adult years that I came to what I like to say is experience the joy of the Lord, you know, and mm. walking with God daily and really feeling that excitement of knowing that I had a savior that was watching over every aspect of my life. And so mm. I think it really became real to me in that season of my university years. Wow. That's wonderful. Thank you uh, so much for mm -hmm. sharing that with us. Um, so you do a lot of work with mission and evangelism. And there's a connection, obviously, to, to margin. But before we get into that, how, how would you define mission and evangelism? Mm -hmm. You know, I teach a course, actually, on evangelism and discipleship. So this comes up a lot. And I think growing up, you know, my parents were missionaries. And so I lived overseas on missions. And I was kind of wow. surrounded by mission my whole life. And yet I still had this misconception at times that mission was something I had to do or that I had to begin and I had to finish. Mm -hmm. And something that I found so refreshing in my teenage and my university years, and even the testimonies that my parents had to share in their overseas mission experience is that mission always starts with our triune God. That mission is by God, is from God, and is done by God himself. And so this idea, you know, the, the fancy word is missio dei, which means the mission of God. And it's this belief that God's greatest heartbeat is to bring people into reconciliation with himself, to bring people mm -hmm. into a relationship of salvation. And that overarching mission that we, you know, talk about being involved in, that mission belongs to God and is by God. And mission is something God invites us to join him in his work. And so I would really define, you know, missions as, you know, those actions that we as a faith community, we do to be part of the mission that God is already doing in this world and in the people around us. And so when we think about mission in that way, um, evangelism is related to mission in that it's a way that we share the good news of who Jesus is. And Actually, when we look at the Bible, there's no direct equivalent for the way we use the word evangelism, like evangelism class or evan mm -hmm. evangelist. But when we look in the Bible, the words that are actually used is one who shares the gospel, one who proclaims the gospel, or one who is sent mm -hmm. to right. tell the good news, any activities revolving on around that. And we see lots of examples of what that could look like in the Bible, like it takes place through songs, through miracles, mm. through parables that Jesus tells. And so all of those activities are ways of sharing the good news. And I just, I love that verse in yeah. Romans 10, where it says, you know, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how will they call upon the name if they don't believe? 
How will they believe if they have not heard? And how will they hear unless someone doesn't say it to them, right? And the end of that verse says, how beautiful are those who bring the good news Mm -hmm. of the gospel. So basically saying, how beautiful are you when you are evangelizing, (laughs) when you are sharing the good news? And that's a verse that always comes to mind when I think about mission and evangelism. Yeah, wow. No, I appreciate you talking about touching on how many different ways that that, that can come across and be c- communicated. Let me just jump back to something about mission. Already, mm-hmm. how you define that as kind of getting in on what God is already doing. Um, mm-hmm. there's, all, there's already a re- kind of a relief in that, because I think a lot mm-hmm. of people feel all this pressure. Oh, this is something yeah. I have to do, whether it's, you know, in my neighborhood or the town or overseas, whatever it happens to mm-hmm. be. I'm as, as if I'm creating something out of scratch. But you're saying, mm-hmm. no, it's actually God is doing things. He seeks mm-hmm. to be in this reconciled, you know, relationship uh, with people, yeah. inviting them into it, and he's doing things. So it's just kind of us getting in on what he's already doing. Mm-hmm, for sure, and I've experienced that in so many different settings, mm-hmm. like with my parents in overseas we were in china we were working with a lot of the churches that aren't really officially churches and i've been on overseas missions in india and in various places and then even just in my neighborhood and recognizing it's those moments when i just surrender and say god i'm available and seeing Mm -hmm. what god involves me in those are always the ones that i realize wow god is doing so much around me i just didn't see it in the first place and it really Mm -hmm. takes that burden off of our hearts, feeling like I need to create a mission program, I need to train myself to be a missionary, when really it's just part and parcel of Mm -hmm. being in fellowship with God, that when we're with God, we join him in this amazing work that he's doing. Like he leaves the 99 to find the one, and he's Mm -hmm. doing that all around us in all of our lives. Mm. I love how you said that, the the surrendering, telling God I'm available, and ah, there's the rub. Uh, (laughs) So so speaking of that, Yeah, so mission and evangelism, as you've described, clearly a part of our our discipleship. I think we would acknowledge that this is you know something important about following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But something that you've noticed is that people are hindered in this when they don't have margin in their lives. So can you explain what what you mean by margin? Yeah, and I mean when we look at the way Jesus did mission or discipleship, a line that Jesus used very often was, "The kingdom of God is here." right? It's near and it's here and it's in your life. And if we Mm -hmm. kind of take that as our motto and we think, okay, in my life today, the kingdom of God is here. Um, One thing I know I personally struggled with is where is the kingdom of God in my daily life? And is there space for the kingdom of God in my daily life? And Mm -hmm. to be very candid and honest, I mean, we have three kids and our family has kind of entered that no man's land of church um, involvement in a family's life when all three of her kids start doing extracurriculars. And I've seen this as a pastor when families get into the season, it's just so busy, you know, between kids schooling and their extracurriculars that after school to getting them fed and washed and in bed. Mm -hmm. And then myself having work, you know, my husband having work, there's just so many demands everywhere. I also have elderly parents. I'm kind of in that sandwich generation where I'm caring for them as well. And I began to notice that while all those things are amazing blessings from God and they aren't wrong in and of themselves, there was so little room in my life that I could say, wow, I am actually experiencing the kingdom of God come to life, like in the flesh, and I am experiencing the joy of that. And it really made me kind of pause and step back and look at all these elements that I had filled my life with to ask, you know, are these things Yes, they're good in of themselves, but are they leading me to really experience the kingdom of God? Are they leading my children 
to experience the kingdom of God. And from my own personal experience, I mean, I don't even want to speak into other people's lives, but busyness really became the biggest challenge for myself in experiencing mission and being involved in what God was doing to bring his kingdom into my life. And I had to really ask myself, you know, what are the intentions I have behind all these things I pack into our schedule? And who is telling me that I need to have all these elements in my schedule? What is the deep-seated kind of fear, anxiety I fear if we don't have these things for my children or if, you know, I'm not working to this certain degree? And I really had to step back to ask, you know, how can I really prioritize being with the Lord? How do I slow down and intentionally create space in my every single day so that, you know, God has that room to come in and interrupt. And and we call it an interruption because we're so busy, but to come in and do something that reveals the kingdom of God. And when I looked at my children, I realized I wanted to set that example for them because I didn't want to pass on, you know, this schedule and Mm -hmm. this kind of rhythm of being so busy. And yet without knowing it, that's what I was doing was I was filming even their days um, by the minute. And we were always kind of in a hurry to get to one thing to the next. And so Uh, Yeah, there's just this idea came out of how do we create margin? How do we create space and cushion room so that we're not in a hurry and that we can hear the still quiet voice of God inviting us to join him in his mission just in our everyday routines? Right, right. Okay. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, So really it's about creating that space or um, cushion uh, margin. So it's kind of like it's it's not only about physical space, but it's about Mm -hmm. mental, emotional space um, to kind of discern what God is, is doing in our midst. Am I getting that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah. I think that's good. Okay. And really, I think it comes from a mentality as well. Um, okay. Leslie Newbegin, he's this missionary um, pastor who did a lot of writing about mission. And mm-hmm. something he talks about is this idea of creating a new identity as, as believers that is rooted in a new way of thinking about the world. And he uses this fancy world called new plausibility structures. And what that basically means is new ways of understanding the world around us. So it's how do we create a new lens as believers about what our life is like in this world? And how do we have a paradigm shift so that everything we live for is not the same as someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ, but that we begin to live with this lens believing that we have an eternal kingdom that is to come. And that kingdom of God, we can experience it right now in our day to day. And so Leslie begin. he challenges us. He says, how would the norm of your life look different if you really had that lens of faith to believe that this life isn't what it's all about, that an eternal mm-hmm. life is to come. And, you know, I have a citizenship in heaven. And so my identity as a Christian causes me to make decisions in a different way. And I think that's the underlying kind of sanctification and shift that we need to undergo because I had to ask myself a lot of questions, you know, especially as a parent, and I'm sure a lot of parents out there um, can commiserate on just this, you have this FOMO, you know, this fear of missing out for your children sometimes Mm. where you feel like they have to be involved in everything and learning things. And, and our, we ourselves have FOMO too, where we want to go see that latest place that's on Instagram. Someone posted about, or, you know, take all those family vacations and they're all good enough themselves, but really asking ourselves those deeper questions of is our identity shaped by those things? And do these things have 
eternal value and fruit to our lives and to our children's lives. And to ask ourselves, why do we spend so much time on the things of this world if the fruit of that isn't exactly what we feel called to? And so it's really Mm -hmm. having this paradigm shift to think about our day-to-day a little bit differently and asking God to help us shape what that day-to-day looks like rather than just kind of going with the flow of what the culture around us tells us is the norm. Yeah, thank you. And I think that's a really good point because Mm -hmm. if we don't proactively think about that, what's my intention with this or what's the the goal with all these activities? Uh, Mm -hmm. We're just kind of being passive and and just just the world around us and the culture is so powerful that we're just going to get swept away into kind of those priorities and what it's about. Yeah. Um, I'll say this to the congregation uh, here at Westminster sometimes, but it's almost like good, goodness, like, sorry, business and goodness are so interwoven in North American mm-hmm. culture. It's like how, right. you know, when you ask someone how they're doing nine times out of 10, well, maybe a bit more nuanced after the pandemic, but you know, how are you doing? Good, busy, but good. You know, it's like, we, you know, busy is, a, if I'm busy, I must be important. If I'm busy, I'm, I'm look at, I'm doing all this stuff too. Um, that sort of thing. But but let me ask you this, with with Christians mm-hmm. specifically, this idea of maybe not having margin and, and the busyness and the activities, is this is this something that's uh, maybe kind of getting worse, kind of in the modern mm-hmm. period? Um, yeah, can mm-hmm. you just comment on that? Yeah, I mean, I know in my own experience, when I had my first child, I had like a flip phone, you know, that had no <laughs> internet capability. Maybe I'm aging myself here. Um, but yeah, and I remember life just being a little bit slower then, you know, not feeling mm-hmm. like I was missing out on so much because I just had no idea what other people in the world were doing unless I called up a friend and asked mm-hmm. them. But I feel like in our world now where we have so much information at you know the tips yeah. of our fingers that we open our phones and we see people doing this over there and this opportunity you know coming up here and we have this almost kind of cultural FOMO that drives yeah. us in everything we do and I think there's you know with secularism that is growing in North America especially uh, this moving away from God and kind of focusing on you know, yourself and finding yourself first and happiness landing there. I just find that there's this mentality of we have to go and see and do all the things that are best for us. And that's really Mm -hmm. like a lot of social media that we see is about that people capturing the best parts of their lives. And I think it definitely creates in us almost this anxiety that we're missing out and that we have to go and try to fill our lives with as many things as we can to reach this almost impossible goal of getting to where everyone else is. And we don't even know where that is sometimes, but I do think in that way it has become more challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful. Now, when Mm -hmm. we talk about something like margin and and busyness and, and how this, this may hinder our, our, our discipleship, Mm -hmm. um, is is there any biblical examples that you would hold up of of these sorts of things playing out, whether that's a biblical author who talks about it or or its importance. Mm -hmm. And again, Margin as a phrase is not something we come across in the Bible, but this is obviously a good idea. So uh, what about Mm -hmm. that? Yeah. So, I mean, I love that our God in all of his power, when he created everything and worked so hard, you know, the thing that he included in there was that he rested, you know, that he took a step back (laughs) even right after that and said, this is good. Like, I'm just going to rest and enjoy it now. And that should tell us something, you know, that you have all the power in the world to create the universe from scratch And yet it's important to step back and to rest and just enjoy it. And so Mm -hmm. just from the beginning of the Bible, we see that nature of God and we see it played out in the ways that he encourages his people to be open 
to entertain God in moments where you may not expect it. Right. And so mm -hmm. I think it was in Hebrews 13. It says, like, dude, don't neglect showing hospitality to strangers because you never know that you might have enter entertained angels without knowing it. Right. And yeah. so <laughs> I think hospitality itself, which is talked about a lot in the Bible, the word yeah. margin may not be, but this culture of hospitality is something we see mm -hmm. over and over again. And hospitality cannot happen unless you have margin. That if you are feeling just full to the brim in your own life and there is just no energy left or no time left that to have somebody come in and for you to entertain them for you to serve them mm -hmm. for you to love on them is something that is just not going to happen and so we see examples of you know abraham and sarah in genesis where they have three strangers showing up at their door and they recognize they're there they cook yeah. them food and then it turns out to be angels of god that gives them blessing <laughs> Or, you know, even stories hmm. like the Good Samaritan, right? We see a verse on somebody asking Jesus, who's my neighbor? You know, who am I to yeah. love? Who am I to show your love to? Which is really the greatest mission we're called to. And yeah. Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan saying, it might not be convenient. It might be scary. You know, it might go against everything that tells you is right or safe or good. But yeah. that might be where I'm inviting you to reach out to the stranger, to reach out to those that are around you. And mm -hmm. I, I love how right after the Good Samaritan, there's that passage of Mary and Martha, you know, of mm -hmm. Martha busily, you know, getting things ready, making food. And I identify with Martha. I'm that host. I'm that cook. <laughs> and then you see her like, God, why is Jesus? Why is Mary just sitting there with you? Like, tell her to help me. And yeah. then Jesus says, you know, Martha, Mary has chosen the good portion. Right. And so. Yeah. Basically, Jesus is saying, yes, like doing all these things is important, but just being at my feet, being with right. me will open those doors for you to see how you can be with those that my heart longs for. It's kind of this, mm. you know, double edged thing, right? Like when we're resting in God, it leads yeah. us to the most meaningful work. It doesn't mean we're just yeah. not doing anything, but it leads us to the most meaningful work. And I just I, I love that. how there's so many different examples of that we see in the, in the texts. Yeah, no, that's that's a great way of putting it. I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm recalling from from memory here. I'll I'll put it in the notes. Who said this? Because I I can't mm -hmm. I remember the source of the quote. But it's like if the devil can't make you sin, he will make you busy, uh, because <laughs> yes. either way, your soul will shrivel. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. as I think with that, I'm like, well, yeah, there's there's a mm -hmm. with that busyness and pace, something comes up, some opportunity, and maybe you've oh, yeah. even been praying that that God would use you or reveal mm -hmm. Himself in your life or give give me more purpose in my days or whatever. And then something comes up. It's like, well, I, I can't, I don't have time for that. And so we kind of close ourselves off to it. Um, well, you said about Sabbath, it's interesting. Um, before we jumped on here, I wrote down this quote from, from a doctor, James Brown. He says, we doctors uh, are in the treatment of, we doctors in the treatment of nervous diseases are compelled to provide periods of rest. Some of these periods are, I think, only Sundays in arrears. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> people go on these rests. So it's good. like, well, yeah, God yeah. rests one day. Um, yeah. If we all actually did that, we might not sort of burn and crash and then actually have to whole bunch of Sundays right. piled up on each other, which we call a rest <laughs> or time off or whatever it happens yeah. to be. But, no, that's helpful. So, okay, let's. there's people listening to this and mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, okay, yeah, I want to I walk faithfully in the footsteps of Jesus and, and modern life is complicated and I want mm -hmm. to get in on the mission uh, that God mm -hmm. is doing in the world. I want to be able to share the good news about Jesus. And I agree with you, Sarah, about about margin and stuff, but what would you say to someone? And I realize we're talking with a general audience here, but 
to someone mm -hmm. who wants to take that next step, but feels like they're just in this hamster wheel and they're not sure where to begin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, a few things that really work for me is to just practically assess our days as a family. And something we've begun to do is just to have one night a week that's very protective and to leave it there so that God can use it for us to invite our neighbors, invite that person we ran into that we know really needs just some loving and some good food and yeah. to very practically leave space in that way. But I think that really you're able to do that when you can just begin to ask yourself those hard questions of, you know, why are we doing all the things we're doing and which ones are really important and which ones can in this season of my life, I can put a stop to or put a hold on. And for those parents out there who have little ones in a gazillion different things, I mean, I'm that Asian mom, right? Like I grew up with my parents kind of encouraging us to do music, to do sports. Like you got, and yeah, you got to get A's in school. You got to do all those things. But I ask myself, you know, generally, okay, my kids love soccer, but we end up being there like nine times a week amongst the three of them. Mm -hmm. Are they going to be FIFA world, you know, cup champions? No, they're <laughs> not. Can they just play for fun in the summer? Yes, they can. And it's right. asking ourselves these very practical questions of, is this absolutely necessary? Will this have you know, lasting fruit and value in our children's lives and making those tough decisions sometimes that actually having margin in our kids' lives to disciple them, to have them rest as well, for them to understand, you know, life schedule doesn't have to be always so jam-packed and revolve around, you know, their own activities. I'm finding it's very healthy for my children to have a taste of that life pace as well. And so letting that vision really driving me that, when I'm cutting down other things, I'm leaving room for better things that God mm -hmm. might have for our children. And I think tied to that, uh, I began to realize when I thought about evangelism and mission, a lot of times the reason I didn't prioritize it was that I didn't feel prepared or I didn't feel equipped. I felt like you know, that's the job of the evangelism pastor at church. But me, Sarah, as a mom, busy mom with three kids at home, like I just don't have time for that. And yet something that God really worked out in my heart is that when we read God's word, it is really a language God is giving us to speak his language of love to all those that are around us. And I, and I began challenging myself and challenging our children on how can we be biblically fluent, meaning how can we begin to speak the words of scripture and let it come alive in our day to day and really prepare ourselves so we're ready to talk about who God is in everyday moments so that you know we feel excited for those opportunities to come and so when I was homeschooling with our kids, we had a season when we were all home, you know, we would intentionally go to the grocery store and expect to be there about two hours. And I would tell the kids, you know, let's pray that God would help us to meet somebody that we could just show God's love to just with the word of blessing. And so we would pray in the car together, God, show us someone that we can bless today. And then one of us, you know, a lot of times it was our kids too, would go to someone and just say, hi, I just want to tell you that Jesus really loves you. And we just want to bless you in that way. And we've struck up conversations with other moms who are in the grocery store with their kids, wow. a lot of elderly who have a lot of time and love to stop and talk with younger <laughs> kids. We've been able to share the gospel. And together wow. we came up with how would we tell somebody 
in a grocery store about who Jesus is. And because we had that in our toolbox of how to talk yeah. about God, we just were excited for those opportunities and we were ready. And so mm. whether it was swimming class or whether it was, you know, going to the grocery store, wherever it was, you know, we had language ready that we would use to talk about who Jesus was. And I feel like in our day and age, we don't prepare ourselves enough in that way. Um, Greg right. Okison, I could send you his name later, Greg Okison, yeah. he wrote this book about how we can engage non-believers more often. And something he talked about was in churches, we don't often teach each other how to talk about Jesus in kind of thick, complex ways. And so we learned the very simple way of talking about sin and salvation and who Jesus is. Right. But then we go and talk to our neighbor and they're telling us they're going through divorce. You know, they've caught their husband in adultery or, you know, they're, mm. they've suddenly gone bankrupt. They have these complex problems. And then we realize, I don't know how to talk about Jesus to them, right, you know, right. in these thick kind of complex narratives they're in. And so, yeah, yeah how do we equip ourselves with more detailed ways of talking about who Jesus is, what the kingdom of God means to us, so that mm -hmm. we're equipped and ready and excited. And then when we intentionally create margin and see everyday kind of events as opportunities to talk right. about God, I think that's when, you know, the rubber hits the road and that excitement happens. And when you experience just the excitement of being part of God's mission, it's addictive. I think there's nothing more engaging and fun and joy-filled than experiencing God's spirit working through you to be a blessing to someone. And, mm. you know, my greatest joy is, yes, we might have quit gymnastics and soccer, very real examples for us. <laughs> and, you know, the ex extracurricular math we were doing. But, you know, my daughter knows the joy of telling somebody that Jesus loves them. And she mm. has, you know, equipped in her toolbox a way of sharing what she believes. And this happened mm. when she was seven. And so to me, wow. that's a vision and a purpose that's a win. That's worth kind of giving up these other great opportunities for. And so that's kind of where I would yeah. encourage okay. people to start and to do it together, to, to have people you yeah. do it together with. Mm. I've seen a couple of streams here, you know, and, and although you didn't mention it here, you mentioned it previously, the idea of, first of all, kind of what's the point, kind of looking mm -hmm. at priorities. Okay, what, what, what are we here for? And if you mm -hmm. don't kind of have that figured out, um, yeah. then then you're not going to align kind of your days. Secondly, mm -hmm. kind of assessing, yeah, assessing your days as a family. So, you know, what, what are the important things versus non-essential things? Yeah. Uh, and three, kind of developing language to talk about mm -hmm. um, the kingdom, talking to others about, about Jesus. But on that second point, you know, kind of mm -hmm. discerning the important things from the non-essentials, yeah. can you maybe provide an example about talking to your kids about that? Because that might mm -hmm. be kind of difficult because yeah. something you might think, well, this is not essential, but they're like, but I really like it. And it's fun yeah. and my friends are doing it. Yeah. So that's, that's sometimes where the conversation gets tough. Any mm -hmm. advice about mm -hmm. people talking to their kids about, well, what we're mm -hmm. doing A, B, and C will only B and C are important. A isn't. So it's going out. Any advice to talking to kids yeah. about that? Yeah. Actually this past summer, we experienced this because at the beginning of summer, Sometime in April and May, I started lining up things that our kids can do because that's what we mm -hmm. do in the summer between, you know, vacation Bible school, yep. day camps, kind of sports camps. I had a whole bunch of things lined up. And as I was doing that, my husband and I started praying through, okay, how can we have a little more margin this summer? And we just felt mm -hmm. convicted that God was calling us to be more available. And so we invited our kids into that discussion. Mm -hmm. And we said, you know, why don't we just choose one of these four? 
so that we that God can use us to reach out to our neighbors and be be available. And, you know, I realized that kids are a lot more of a clean slate than we think they are. You know, I understand maybe if they're 14, 15, that the conversation might get a little bit challenging. But for us, we have the benefit where we've started kind of when they're younger. And so they kind of understand this language of thinking about what's really important. And so we told them you can choose, you know, one out of the four that we had planned to do that you really want to do. And they were actually fine with that. They said, you know, yeah, Mm. that's great. I said, means we don't have to wake up, you know, at nine o'clock every day that we can have some more family time and we can enjoy a bit of slower days. And they were actually fine with that. And so part of it is I realized I had kind of imprinted my own expectation on my children as well, that surprisingly, they liked being not as busy. Um, There Mm. were certain things they were very passionate about that I really want to stick this through and I want to do it. And those are the things we honored and we allowed them to do. And, you know, the real praise item for us was this summer actually our one of our newer neighbors who just moved in um she's a single mom and right after we had decided this sometime in june she had we met we were having dinner one time and she said oh my plans for my son in the summer fell through for about three weeks because her his dad was supposed to watch him certain weeks and wasn't able to and so she said do you think you guys could help us out just having him come over and you know play during the day while we work and we said yes, we actually have time. We're home those (laughs) three weeks. And so our neighbor's son, they're non-believers, spent three weeks of the summer with us. You know, we went bowling, we went swimming, we went hiking, we did a whole bunch of fun stuff. And we really developed Mm. this bond with this family where they are like our extended family now. And then Mm. just a month ago, um, this family actually experienced a huge loss. And Mm. during that time of hardship, uh, we were the first people they ran to and they're non-believers, mm-hmm. but they said, can you pray for us? Can you mm-hmm. give us some counsel? Can you ask your God, yeah. you know, what we should do? And, you know, we well, reflected that to our children. We told them, you know, isn't it so great that we, you didn't do gymnastics camp and that we spent yeah. time with our neighbors and now we get to share the gospel with them and pray with them. And now, you know, they're coming to us asking us for prayer. And so, I think it's being intentional in that discipleship with your family as well to involve them, to ask them to pray with you and to have your children really see their identity as, yeah, I'm a missionary too. You know, I'm only nine, seven or four, but really our neighbor's kid is here to play with my kids there and he's not here to play right. with me. And so they played a very big role in God moving in that family's life. And yeah. for us to reveal that to them and help them to process that, I think it was very formative for them in their faith growth. Yeah, well, I love what you said about involving the kids in the conversation and also not assuming that, well, kind of not not assuming that they want to be busy all the time, right? And, and that there may be more of a blank slate th- than we think. Mm-hmm. And how often is it that we are projecting? It's like, oh, we want mm-hmm. the kids to not to be doing so much, but we kind of sign them up for so much or we're kind of over-functioning because that's really our own default thing. It's mm-hmm. like, well, like, well, that's what... I want this for the kids so that our family looks busy and we we're doing everything else mm-hmm. and we can post pictures of that. We went and did that, you know, all yeah, that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. But also really, really too, um, when you talked about circling back and communicating with them, the fruit, I say, look, look how, remember, cause we had the space in the margin. We were able to be a part of this. And when they needed us, we were there. I think that's mm-hmm. really great because so often we maybe don't reflect on that with them, but that helps them see, Oh, I actually am involved in things that, last and the things that are purposeful and this is a this is this is what christ likeness is like 
you know yeah. so yeah and thank you yeah my, my oldest daughter is actually the most she's gung-ho she wants to do everything so she hears mm -hmm. about an activity she wants to do that you know i want to figure yeah, skate yeah. i want to swim i want to do right. soccer and so she's the one that i struggle with the most when it comes to creating margin but on the same token i realized because she's like that i need to help her to learn the tools to create mm -hmm. margin for herself from a young age mm -hmm. because if her personality is like that now and i just like fill up her schedule because that's what she wants. She's going to become this adult that feels like I need to have a full schedule doing every single thing because yeah. I did that since I was, you know, eight years old. And so right. I'm realizing it also helps us to disciple our children to learn those skills, to know how to rest, to know how to have margin as an adult, mm -hmm. to know that feeling of, you know, I really wanted to do that, but I said no in that season. And, you know, there was good fruit. Like there was yeah. fruit of rest. There was fruit of pacing myself. And I want her to learn that, that much more because she is like that my other two yeah. are a little bit more like they'd be happy to be in their pajamas all day <laughs> um and so i think margin will come a little more naturally to them as it does to my husband who's more of an introvert yeah. but for her i think it takes it's it's even more important to have that intentionality for me with her yeah all right so we're talking to people people are hearing some of this stuff they, they like what they're hearing um mm -hmm. let's talk about what what um just kind of cast a bit of a vision for people how mm -hmm. how it might mm -hmm. feel so Mm -hmm. um let's say someone has worked some margin into their lives and they're starting to how how would they feel if this mm -hmm. reality that we've been talking about this change this perspective shift i forget new yeah. biggins phrase but um mm -hmm. that's actually starting to occur what, what do you think people will feel when they start mm -hmm. to experience that mm -hmm. you know let me begin again he had this he has a saying where he says that mission of god begins with an explosion of joy that that's where all missions should come from that when mm. we encounter who Christ is, that it births this deep-seated joy within us. And that is what drives us on mission. But right. something I'm experiencing is when I'm feeling very dry spiritually, or say I'm feeling just purposeless in my life, but in obedience, I go to be part of what God is doing. Being in the midst of God's mission births in me an explosion of joy too. Mm. That seeing God at work doing what only God can do, and then inviting me, you know, me, Sarah, who is feeling dry, who is like not praying as much as I should, who isn't reading the word as much, but then God is doing these mm -hmm. miracles of faith yeah. through my life. It just, it creates in me a joy in knowing Jesus that I think I otherwise wouldn't experience. And so, I mean, the obvious thing is if you have margin, you're going to be more rested. And <laughs> that's been my mm -hmm. testimony that I'm not as cranky. I'm not as, you know, <laughs> nagging our kids from rushing from one thing to another. So that's just, I think having margin, having Sabbath, it gives you rest in ways that we all, you know, God knows we need that rest. We are created in his image and even our almighty God rested. And so resting is one thing, but I think joy was a really unexpected fruit for me um, in creating margin, you know, and that Philippians 2 verse where it says, you know, go and shine like stars in the sky that's what it says right that when we mm. hold up the gospel we become like stars shining in the sky but so often when i've been in busy seasons of ministry and of serving i was not shining like a star <laughs> i was just ragged and tired and cranky and like i didn't want to see anybody and so yeah. that tells me you know that the balance is a little bit off that there should be deep rest when we are you know in mm -hmm. sync with kind of god's leading and the fruit of that really is a joy of being part of something that's greater than us and really experiencing that deep-seated joy that just 
wants us to do it again, wants us to mm-hmm. be part of what yeah. God is doing around us. Yeah. I think, I think Sabbath rest is like the closest thing we're ever going to get to the, you yeah. know, um, the fountain of youth, not in a look sense, but in a soul sense, you know, mm-hmm. um, a word I'd love to get into the dictionary is, uh, irritated, you know, tired plus irritated. And like, so, so, <laughs> so I'm good. feeling irritated. I'm irritated today. So, so was wrong. But yeah, so, so you've talked about, uh, rest and, in joy and that explosion mm-hmm. of, of joy. And that's, that's so great because it's more rare than we think. And we want mm-hmm. joy and it's so good that deep trust, right. And, and confidence in who God is and the good that he's doing in the world and that we get to be a part of it. And he's providing for us mm-hmm. uh, in the midst yeah. of it. And that his mission is not some, and, and, and even rest and margin mm-hmm. is not something we, we have to do. We get to do because he, yeah. he loves and cares for us. So yeah. Okay. Thank you. That's, that's a good picture. I think people like feeling like, like those things, <laughs> yeah. especially when they don't feel like it now. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, th- thank you for, um, you know, for, for spending this time with us. I appreciate it. I appreciate your work at Tyndale and, and elsewhere and in your home and in your missional community and everything else. Um, and, and I'll make sure to, to the listeners, I'll tell you, and those who are watching, I'll put, you know, some links to some of the things that Sarah's been talking about uh, in the and kind of the notes uh, on the the home base for this, so you can look up more. But Sarah, I just want to kind of end with a few minutes of maybe sharing, you know, projects that you're working on that you'd like to share uh, with us, or or maybe even just ways to connect with you online. Yeah, so I do. I work at Tyndale full time. I'm faculty there, and so if you search Sarah Hunt Tyndale, you know, my email will come up there. So you could email me if you had any extra questions. Uh, right now, I'm director of our center for pastoral imagination, and this center was created uh, because we, we just want to be part of raising up pastors for the next generation and raising up leaders for the next generation. So we're creating a library of resources. We want to create a network for mentorship for pastors. And we're going to be holding various events. We have a preaching mm-hmm. conference that's coming up in mm-hmm. May for anyone in any kind of teaching or preaching capacity that wants to come and learn how to be a gospel presence in their neighborhood. That's kind of our theme mm-hmm. for this year. And I am writing a book right now. I can't tell you when it's going to be done because I'm not sure either. (laughs) But just on this idea of margins for everyday mission and what that looks like, um, really from a perspective of being in family and how we Mm -hmm. can lead our families um, on everyday mission by creating space just to be part of what God is doing everywhere around us. And more immediately next week, Tuesday, I'm speaking at Tyndale's Chapel. So I think it's, you can stream it online as well. And so that's Tuesday, January 31st. You can also go and watch the recording afterwards. But yeah, I'm I'm just excited to be part of what God is doing in the city. And I always take up invitations to talk about this topic. And so I don't have any snazzy website going yet, but that's, (laughs) hopefully that'll come up in the near future. All right. Well, thanks so much, Sarah. And if do you do you mind maybe you've, there's a plaque behind you or something green? Is that like yeah. a Bible quote? Is that something <laughs> it you feel free comfortable to share with us? Yeah, it's Romans fifteen thirteen. It says, "May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope." This was a verse actually we gave away this at our daughter's first birthday just as like a takeaway for everyone we framed it just like this and we gave it to people oh, and what a great this gift. is kind of the verse we blessed at the bottom it says sayla loves you that's my daughter's name and mm-hmm. yeah each of our kids on their first birthday we just prayed about a verse we wanted to really pray over their lives and so joy and peace and the power and hope of jesus was what we prayed over our daughter's life 